I like being lonely. I'm a boss. Tell them not today. Swerving on these chickens, cluck out my lane. I'm a boss. Out my way. I just do every little thing. It has been. I know everybody's going through the same thing right now, but it has been so crazy. It's there's no normal anymore. <laughs> yeah, Not no, that there's really... much normal for me anyway. My life's crazy, but there is no normal right now. It's even like I pretty much got to the point that I give up on homeschooling. I'm just gonna let them be illiterate. I can't do it. Done. No, seriously. So I don't know. I, I can't remember when we talked last time, but I, did I tell you about this project that I started with the work from home resources? I mean, it like exploded. So in, in the last, so like in three weeks, I've gathered a team of 24 people. They've recorded over 30 courses and we're going to launch this week selling 30 courses to help people for like 99 bucks. Like, That's awesome. I That's can't awesome. even... Yeah, it's been so, so cool. But one of the, one of the things, um, one of the workshops is called Accidentally Homeschooling. And it's going through the, like what you're talking about. Like, it's a mom who normally homeschools, but she's like, listen, the first thing she talks about is you have to give yourself grace because this is not what you signed up for. You know, she's like, I plan this. We do this as a family. It's intentional. You guys don't have that luxury. So here are some tools to maybe help you the biggest thing that you have to think about is that, you know, this is not what you were planning to do. So I did homeschool. I homeschooled my kids. Oh God, what year was it? We did it for two and a half years. My, I don't know if you remember me telling you that my 10 year old's autistic. Yes. So when he was starting into kindergarten, I knew he would not do well in a school setting, just where he was at. So I was like, okay, well, I have a lot of friends at homeschool and they done so well at it. Um, I'll try that. So I was trying to homeschool him and it was just, it was a train wreck. It was a train wreck. And I got the bright idea that it'd be easier somehow if I pulled all the kids out. (laughs) It's in the funny how sometimes we look back at these like great ideas we have and we're like, what the heck? Like that self would be like, girl, why is it going to be easier to homeschool more kids? (laughs) But the the kids were being like to school every, they were like to school every day because of my autistic son. Like literally every day. Like I was like, wait, um, because he would throw a fit every day and not want to take him to school. I can't leave home. I mean, it was bad. So they were literally late every day. So I got this friend and go, well, that'll be better because then I won't go to prison. We can all just learn together. And I had these friends who are like sending me this Pinterest stuff. And I always tell people, I'm like, I love Pinterest, but Pinterest will screw you up if you're not prepared to actually have the skill and the knowledge to be able to do some of the things that all these other people are doing. Well, and, and the thing is they're presenting something that has been practiced yes. and perfected. Not, yes. that's not their first try. They're not pinning their first try at something. Yeah. It was bad. I had all these charts and I spent an ungodly amount of money deciding to homeschool. And it was, it was a train wreck um, because my oldest, when I pulled her out of school, again, go back to that me and like why she was in eighth grade. So you can use your imagination how awesome the idea that, Hey, you're going to be home with mom and all the siblings all the time was to her. So her attitude, because she's much like me was I'm not doing it. So that was a battle. It was, it was bad. It was one of those moments where you look back, you're like, what the hell was I even thinking? Like, I, I can't even explain that. I, I blame exhaustion. I blame exhaustion. <laughs> Um, because it was, it was a terrible idea, but anyway, yeah, I have PTSD yeah. pretty much from trying to homeschool the first time. So when this came around again, I was like, Oh my God, no, cause I already know <laughs> I can't do this. 
I and you're not giving me an option. This is not like last no. time I could d- no. change the decision. Yeah, now last I time can. I was like, I changed my mind. You can have them back. <laughs> yeah, this time it's like, you're so good, fast. No takesies. Yeah. yeah, so it was, oh, it's terrible. So I, that's great that you've got some help for the, I've, I've decided that the older kids are doing fine. They're pretty much self-sufficient on doing their schoolwork. The autistic child, we, even during a normal school year, he has homework club. So he stays after school and does his homework because they compartmentalize things. A lot of autistic children do, or autistic people. So they, um, he does schoolwork at school and he does like stuff at the house. It has nothing to do with school. That's just how his brain works. And there's no changing that. So that's the reason we have to do homework club. So when they first came out with this idea that he's going to do a school from home, I'm like, there's no way that he's going to do this. And then his brother, that's three years younger than him, is pretty much his parrot. Um, it's really funny, and it's not PC, the jokeism, but uh, I say it anyway, that um, a lot of people think my seven-year-old is the autistic one because he mimics his brother so well. So, because I'll be like, I'm so sorry. Well, this is before we all go quarantine. I'd be like, I'm so sorry that he's acting like that. I'd be like, okay, it's understandable he's autistic. And I'd always be like, yeah, that's not the autistic one. <laughs> We're like, oh, I'm like, that's okay. He actually acts more autistic than his brother does now. <laughs> it's just so funny how that happens. That he's, just, yeah. he's just parroting. He's like, this is what he, he does. Yes, he does. He parrots. So that ends up being the issue is... If Kate you're breaking up again. Cole doesn't think he should have to do it at home either. So it ends up being this. Just fix that. This is my good internet too here at the office. Good internet. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you. It, it's still a little bit um, like. Um, it shows up not playing Shifting. Yeah. All right. So anyway, so you've got homeschooling as one of your items on your classes. What are some of the other ones? So there, there's a whole range. So we try to be really comprehensive. So from all the way from like, like everyday kind of working office essentials. So they're in that there's three categories of courses. So one is workflow and productivity. And that has courses like time management. How do you set a new schedule now that you're working from home, especially if you're balancing a lot of things? How do you set up your home office? Like physically, how do you set it up in a way that's productive and uses your space well? Um, there's one about um, if, you, if you're living and working in a small space, like how to maximize space and keep them separate. That's good. Um, there's a, an IT guy is doing a series of seven different courses, just talking about general like IT issues that people would have so that they've got resources around that. So that's workflow productivity. So it's got a lot of very practical day-to-day things. The next category is um, called daily living and home. So that's things that might be like, so that has some financial courses around budgeting, around saving and investing. Um, there's, there's one from a chef about how to prepare, like how to set up your kitchen so that you can easily make high quality meals and like how to track yeah your stuff so that you're not letting stuff go to waste, but also not feeling overwhelmed. (laughs) Um, And then, uh, and then the last category is um, it's all about like soul, like soul care and growth. So things like how to deal with stress or fear um, using meditation as a way to cope. Like there's um, I think that one actually has the most courses. I think there's like 15 different courses in that category. So we try to be really comprehensive and say like, we know this isn't just about like figuring out how to get work done. Yep. There's so much more happening right now. And I think that's, that's been the 
biggest aha I think for a lot of people. And I already had started to come to that a little bit before all this on my own. Um, you know, I tell people all the time that I'm definitely the learn the hard way type of girl. Like you can tell me things, but I'm like, yeah, gosh. yeah I have yes. one. I'm falling in my face and I'll be like, oh, okay. That's just my personality. Yeah. So I'd already started kind of coming to this at, no matter how much we want to talk about, you know, work-life balance and keeping it separated and nah, 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 that's not realistic in most people's yeah. lives. And really, do we want it to be? I kind of had, you know, I've chased this, you know, unicorn of trying to keep everything separated for so long and keeping them both perfectly balanced. And I couldn't. And yeah. I just but it doesn't exist. Yeah. You know, I, it, it's more like playing this like amazing balloon game with like all these balloons in the air and you're just trying to keep them from hitting the ground. So it's not so much like a balancing act as it is playing the balloon game. So, and you know, once I kind of realized that and took the pressure off of myself, I started on kind of my own journey of, okay, well, why am I doing this? Am I just doing this because I'm doing it? Cause there were so many things that I was doing just because I felt like I needed to. And I don't know why I felt like I needed to. Nobody actually told me that I needed to. I told myself I needed to. Why? I don't know. I have no idea why I can't even tell you. So it's there, there's so much that. though. Yeah. Yes. Like what you're saying right there, there's so much of what we do in our lives that we, and we think that maybe like when we stop and we go, well, why do I think that way? We're like, I don't know where it came from. It came from somewhere like exactly. that. The, the things that drive us that we think we should do, they came from somewhere, but usually we don't take enough time to stop and go, well, where did it come from? And is that actually what I want? And do I have to do it? Because if it's a should that I don't need, I, I have the, I have the power to make a different choice. Cause you could have very well kept going down that path of being like, I'm just going to, everybody else says I'm supposed to balance these. So I guess I'm going to keep yep. trying. And being disappointed and frustrated and disappointed and mad at yourself and feel guilty and all those things. And that doesn't, how does that serve you or your family? Well, and it doesn't. I think women, and I'm not saying men don't, but I've never been a man. So I can't speak from their standpoint. But I know, you know, women that I talk to on a regular basis, this is a common theme that we, we are our own worst enemies on stuff. We have this. And again, I always say Pinterest will mess you up. I love Pinterest. I do love Pinterest. But if you look at those best case scenarios, those perfect strategies those and like you said you're not seeing the behind the scenes you're not seeing the blood sweat tears you're not seeing the times that they drug a bottle of wine to their room and drank out the bottle crying everything you know you're not seeing that part you know you're seeing that I got to figure it out part and I've got a lot of things figured out but I've still got a lot of things that I don't have figured out and but one of the biggest things that I figured out and I think all of this is kind of playing into it I told my husband I was like I weirdly feel better right now than I have in a long time, which almost makes me feel guilty because so many people are freaking out. But it's almost like I had already started kind of getting to that anyway. So I already had the foundation of all of this laid of my, my words for this year is always pick words of the year were focus, purpose, and just reset, just reset of everything, which my consulting company is called reset. And that's a word that just means a lot to me anyway. But I wanted to completely hit the reset button on what I thought about myself, what I thought about my business, what I thought about me as a mom, as a wife, as a woman, you know, just what I thought I wanted to hit the reset button to just let all of it fall away. And then only pick up the things that I wanted to pick up because I was tired of holding it all. So it's really funny that, I mean, not funny, haha, but just funny, odd that this stuff is happening, that it's forcing everybody to do those things 
to pause and to reset and to just breathe and think and just only choose the things that are giving them that purpose. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's so true, and I I hope that the people who can, because I, I like fully acknowledge that not everybody has the option right now to think that way. You know, they're they've yeah. lost their job, they're a single parent, they're, they're you know, like there's all totally like there's that is happening. But I also like I saw this quote the other day, and I thought it was so good. It was like it's okay to be okay when other people are not okay. Mm -hmm. And so there's a whole other sect of the population right now that's feeling like you are feeling or I'm feeling or other people are feeling, which is like, okay, this is a chance for me to like, look at what's happening and reset. So I'm being forced to do things and I don't like the forced part, but am I going to, am I going to use this opportunity now to ask those deeper questions and to make the brave shifts because it takes courage to shift your life. Lots of people know they want to make a change. But to actually make the change, that takes courage. And so this is the time to gain that courage to start experimenting, to like really think it through so that when when you come time to have choices again, that you make choices that are going to support the life you really want to build and not the life you should, not the life that is the easier path because it's just what's in front of you. But like, what do you really want? And so for you, if that means, because I know you've got so many interests and so many ventures and you're, yeah. you're, you're excited about a lot of things, but to pull it back and go, okay, what do I really want to focus on? And then make those choices. I feel like you're going to have such a blessing on the other side of that because you're not torn so much. Yep. I agree. And I think, like you said, I, I acknowledge that a lot, I've talked to a lot of people, they're just in the very deep, deep parts of crisis. And when you're in that moment, no amount of inspirational words is going to help dry you out of that moment. You have to deal with that moment. I've been there, you know, and well-meaning people would try to come to me and help me. But when you're in that spot, there's nothing that can be said, really. You have to start to sort the pieces out yourself. It's nice to know that there's some support there for when you're ready for it, but and I guess some people are the type of people that maybe do well with that. I'm not. I'm the tuck inside myself and try to sort out my own thoughts and figure it out myself. That's just how I deal with things. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm very much aware that there are a lot of people like that. But I do think this is an opportunity. I mean, it's a terrible situation. But even in terrible situations, that reveals opportunity if we're looking for it. Yeah. And even those people that are in that bad place right now, you know, if they can – acknowledge that it's okay that I am in this crisis mode. It's okay that I can't find opportunity right now, but just to be open to it when they are. And I think that's the biggest things is just, just the willingness to be open. I think that is the the biggest thing anybody can do for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I, I, that's true. And, and like, if I was talking to somebody in that situation right now, I would just be like, I know it's hard to see it right now because you can only see all the chaos of the immediate. But if you just keep taking steps forward, eventually you'll have that space and that clarity. So trust that it won't always feel and look like it looks right now. Just keep moving forward. And then if they're open, you will start to see those kinds of opportunities happen because that's, that's just the way, like if you just think about anything in life, like even like working out, like you're making micro tears in your muscle in order for it to come back and strengthen yep. and be stronger. So that's the same kind of thing, not to lighten again, not to no. put off the, the, the heaviness of what's happening because this is unprecedented what we're going through. But like, 
a lot of times it takes that tearing something down to build up something stronger on the other side. I agree. And I've been pretty forthcoming on this show and with people that I've talked with live on panels that, you know, 2018 and 2019, half of 2019 was like the hardest years for me. And so I already felt like I had done the been being torn down and having to figure everything out. And I think that's why I am okay right now is because I already had to deal with all that stuff in me that I'd shoved away my whole life. I already had to do it. So I had already kind of got to a place where I'm like, okay, is this the best scenario? No. Is this what I planned for 2020? I mean, parts of it, like I mentioned a minute ago, the words, oddly enough, kind of ring true. But that wasn't my plan. When I made my Q1, Q2, Q3, you know, plans, that was not in the planning at all. Business-wise, you know, we I've been volunteering a lot of time um, for uh, me and my business partners for our marketing company because a lot of our clients were restaurants pubs you know all these companies that how, how can they pay us right now so we've volunteered to still do services for them during this time because it's the right thing to do you know they've been our clients for a long time now and this is not anything in their doing and you know i don't know how long we can do that because we have employees to pay you yeah. know but while we can we will and yeah. that's kind of where we're at that was not the plan yeah. you know but and and a lot of people would probably be freaking out about that. But I'm just like, okay, well, we have the ability to do it right now. So we'll do it while I can. And when I can't, we won't. And, you know, we've been doing some free classes here and there. And then we have a one class that we do that usually we charge like almost $300 for um, it's an hour and a half class that we've been doing for $27 for businesses and $7 for nonprofits. So, and that's kind of cover a little bit of our costs, but you know, it's just, trying to offer those things. And like you said, you all have got this big group for 99 bucks. I yeah, mean, like, like if, if you were to go buy all the courses individually, I mean like well over $2,000 worth of worth of information courses. Like it, there's so much here, but the thing, like when I was putting the team together, the first requirement as I would talk to people was like, I wanted to know their heart and our, yeah. the, our, primary motivation is that we want to serve people in this time because we are all people who, I mean, we're primarily entrepreneurs, right? They're people who have their own businesses. And we, because we're, we're entrepreneurs, we've learned this resilience. We've learned how to deal with unexpected stuff because as an entrepreneur, you have to do it all the time. So we know that it's so hard when, when you're forced with so much change. And so our primary motivation, like if somebody, if I interviewed somebody, I will tell you, I interviewed a few people that were like wanting to be on the project. And I just was like, no, I don't know if the heart is right. And I did, I wanted the right kind of people. So our primary motivation was we want to serve people. We have something of value that people need. And so if we can, and my vision with the collaboration was like, if we're doing this all together, it's easier for people to do a small part and then we can come together and then still be able to charge like, like a small amount minimal versus like if one person was trying to do all of it, they couldn't, they could not provide that for the same value. So there's two really big lessons of like, you know, link arms with people and then find a way to show up and serve. Like, it's so awesome that you and your people as much as you can are trying to help the businesses who are suffering that's one of the super cool things to see come out of this time. Oh, I it's agree. kind of that, like that resilient, let's link arms. What can I do to help attitude? Yeah. You know, I, I, I believe there's more people in this world who are like that 
I agree. And the bad ones. You hear, like, you I, you hear things about, you know, the people that are hoarding sanit- hand sanitizer and toilet paper and all that crap. I mean, you hear the horror stories, and there are always are going to be those people. Yeah. But from what I've seen, it's been, much like you said, people volunteering to, yeah. you know, give their time, volunteering to give resources, volunteering to give food, you know, just all kinds of things. And that's renewed my faith in humanity, honestly, because... Yeah. I was at a point that I just thought, oh my gosh, people are just so selfish and materialistic and, you know, not to sound all negative, but I was just, I was getting that just vibe and feeling from people all the time. And, um, I, I, I like to say I'm wrong now for the most part, you know, there are those people, but for the most part, I have seen positive things out of this and it renewed my faith in humanity, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's difficult because in the big scheme, you know, the people who are making decisions that impact individuals, we're so far removed from them that it's hard to develop a layer of trust there. But when you look at what's happening inside of communities where there's yeah. actual like human contact or even online, because so much is happening online now, but there's, that's where you see that, that spirit of like togetherness and how can I help? It's when you look at that granular one-on-one, what's happening in a community, what are individuals doing, what are like local organizations doing. And in that, I think it's important for us to remember to look at that in times where we're feeling so much out of control because decisions that are being made that affect us, we don't have any control over those decisions. So instead of going down that negative path and being like, oh my God, there's so much I can't control. What's going to happen? I don't trust these yeah. people. What's it like? Look for the good. Like Mr. Rogers said, look for the helpers. Like they're always around. They are. And that's so, so true. Um, I know I've been getting a lot of specific questions, business related, but it's funny that, um, you know, business as in my marketing consulting, but it's funny that most of my questions have been, people know, a lot of people know that I have, I have a farm and, you know, I do a lot of the little wellness things and herbs and all that kind of stuff. And it's, um, a lot of the questions I've been getting is, Hey, how do you can, how do you grow things? How do you, it's all these things that nobody, everybody made fun of me before for doing it, especially people in my business world. Cause I had these like two hats that I wore all the time that I had, you know, my country girl and my city girl. And, um, but I'm getting messages. How do you can, how do you make kombucha? I had somebody this morning going, how do you make kombucha? So I told her, and she was, what's scoby? <laughs> <laughs> well, so I explained it. She goes, I don't know if that's for me. And I said, it's a good bacteria. It's not a bad bacteria. Yeah. It's, just, it's just funny that the natural curiosity, the almost childlike yeah. curiosity is starting to come out of this too. Yes. Um, stuff that, I mean, I learned it as a kid. I hated doing it, honestly, as a kid. I'm glad I know how, how to now. Yeah. But as a kid, you know, what 13-year-old wants to spend your summer doing that? None. No. You know, I was being drugged through the woods gathering herbs while all my friends yeah. were at the beach. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, I don't <laughs> want to be I'm here. Glad I'm here now, you know, but yeah. it's funny that that's the stuff that I'm getting more than anything is just this yeah. childlike curiosity of, well, how do you do that? Can you do a video yeah. and send it to me on how to do that? I'm like, yeah, I can do that. Wait, we should have you do a video on one of like how to can something or how to grow something. We should have you do a video and put it in this package. I can. I'll tell you this. Let's talk about that for sure. That would be awesome because in things like, okay, like how yeast is selling out across the country. Yeah. Like who would have thought like people are like, you you know, and I also didn't know that you can just make your own yeast. I had no idea. (laughs) It's not been, in a lot of families, it was not taught and passed down. Yeah. 
It wasn't oh, yeah. my my family grew up poor. I think it's what we got to do stuff. I text my mom. My my dad didn't start making good money until I was about ten. So from like birth to ten, we were poor. Yep. You know, so we did everything the old fashioned poor way. <laughs> you know? Yes. But it's funny I text mom. I'm like, I'm so glad that I grew up poor at the very beginning because. I know how to do all this stuff. I'm like, oh, okay, you got this, this, and this. Okay, well, I can make something out of this. You know, it's it's funny. Um, it, I wouldn't have considered it a gift, you know, but I, it's in some ways it's a gift that you can hand me a few things, and I'm like, okay, well, let me show you what I can do with this, you know. And you can set me out in the woods, and I'll be fine. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I can survive out there. I know what you can eat. I know what you can use for medicine. I know, you know, I know those things. It's just, it's funny that that's the question. So it, I was telling my husband, I said, it, they've got this, it's the same way, my, and not to say in a bad way, but it's the same way my kids will ask questions when they're so happy and curious and just really wanting to soak it in that it warmed my heart, not to sound kind of silly, but it did. I was just like, oh, you know, it just, and those are the things that I'm taking from this. And I think that's another reason why I'm not flipping out and freaking out and I'm just kind of taking it day at a time because I really think there's some purpose behind this for the good i mean it's terrible the people that are going through losing loved ones and all of that i can't even pretend to imagine how terrible this is for them but you know for the country as a whole and for humanity as a whole i think when when we come out of this we're going to realize that we rediscovered parts of humanness that's been lost for a long time yeah well, and then, <clears throat> excuse me, then the big question is going to be, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier. How much do we take with us as we move forward? Because it could be really easy to just go back to the way life was because it's what you knew mm-hmm. and you don't have restrictions anymore. But this is the time to try to make the commitments to say, you know, I don't like these aspects of what's happening right now. But I like, these are the things I've rediscovered, the things that I enjoy, and I want to carry that forward with me into what I do next. Like that, you know, you and I talked before about like my past story too, of where I quit my job and traveled around the world. And one of the biggest takeaways for me was like, as I traveled and I would see different ways of living, I would say to myself, like in my head, I was like, oh, I wish we could be more like that, you know, in LA. And One day it finally hit me like, well, wait, there are some things I can't control because our society operates like it does inside the U.S., inside California, inside Los Angeles, whatever. I can't control that, but I can control how I spend my days, what I think about, what I focus on. And so that I finally that day I was like, okay, so I should start thinking about what shifts can I make and should I make so that when I go back and I'm not traveling anymore, what, what shifts like, how do I want my life to actually look? And what do I need to do to make that happen? And I'll tell you, it's easier. I mean, like anything, like you can be like, oh, I'm going to work out tomorrow when you're going to bed at night. And then the morning comes and you're like, well, tomorrow, I'll do it tomorrow. Yeah. Any change is like that, right? We put it off. We think we know we want it. We can see why we need it. But when it comes to making like implementing, we can shut down. So this is the time where we have to figure out how can we commit to those changes once things kind of go back to quote unquote, a little bit normal. I don't think we'll ever go back exactly. No, I don't either. And I, I don't think we necessarily need to, yeah. you know, um, but I, I do know we had talked before about just about change and for the most part, how people fear change and just our human 
this, I guess, again, is, is to kind of avoid the change because we don't know what to expect. And, I mean, I, I mentioned to you that I'm the type that I, I actually get excited about change. Um, which is, is odd. It is odd. I know that. Um, I'm very impulsive. I've shared that with all the listeners and um, th- that can be a good thing and that can be a bad thing. You know, I've been impulsive to a fault many, many, many times in my life. I'm like, oh, that looks fun. Let's try that. Ooh, let's, you know, and then you can only do that so much, you know, I'm like, oh, let's try it. I'm a, I'm a jumper. Um, but now I'm a hesitant jumper. I've fallen on my face enough times where, you know, I give myself kind of a cooling down period, a waiting period to say, okay, is this really what I want? Does this fit into what I want my life to look like? And more times than not, the stuff that I'm like, oh, you know, about that moment, I look at it, like the next couple of days, I'm like, what am I thinking? No, that doesn't fit. You know, and I think that's something that, again, the younger Maria, if somebody would have told me that, I would have waved it off, you know, but I've fallen on my face enough times now because of that, that I'm like, okay, yeah, let me give it a couple of days and let me revisit it to see if that is something that's still doable for me. But I think most people are the opposite of that, where they have this like fabulous idea. It could be like the best idea ever. Because I've I've actually worked with people. I've been like, why have you not done this? And they're just like, I just don't know how it's going to work out. Well, no, you don't know how it's going to work out. Exactly. I was like, you know, and then I always explain to them, you know, there is the me version of things, which is bad, but there's also the version where you just sit on and you never try. And ideally, it needs to be in the middle. Yes. <laughs> you know, yes. and it's trying to get them to take that first step. And, you know, that's, I think that's been hard, I guess, for me with some people because I don't think like that. Yeah. Um, so I think it's been good for them in some ways. I'm like, do it, do it, do it. Yes. You know, you yes. can do this. But it's yes. also been like, okay, well, I... I have to take a step back and try to imagine what that would feel like because I don't feel like that. Yeah. You know, now I have um, felt in the past about, and this is what I kind of con- connected to, which may be wrong and correct me, but, uh, you know, I, sometimes I'll feel like I'm not good enough to do something, you know, or I feel like, well, I can't do that because, or I shouldn't do that because, mm-hmm. you know, so that part is what I connect with how they're feeling on that possible. Yes. Yeah, well, for for I think for a majority of people, because I'm like you, I also I love change. I embrace it ge- generally pretty quickly, and I don't like routine. But a majority of people, so I'm also a certified in change management. I'm actually doing a course in the bundle around change and understanding the change process because I think a lot of times we like if we can understand it's normal to feel like a variety of things and that you can cycle through it in order to get back. So there's this thing called comfort and control. Like that's where we really all want to be in a place of comfort and control for most people to feel that way. They have to really like, like expectations are very clear. They know exactly what their role is. There's no doubt about whether or not they can perform and meet the expectations. So the moment any of that starts to shift, we start this, this cycle of going through different emotions and different responses around being forced to change. But a lot of people, the reason they stay in that comfort and control, instead of getting into action with their, dreams with their ideas with their goals is because of these limiting beliefs that they hold about well I can't because um you know I I can't because I'm not smart enough I don't know enough people I'm too old I'm too young I don't have the right qualifications I don't like they'll name all the reasons why they can't do it the thing about that is it's like this little subtle tricky thing because they probably I mean they probably have everything that they need to start the, the fact is most people who start stuff are not experts at all in what they're doing. They're just starting and figuring it out. Yeah. We can never actually make a totally perfect plan and have it executed exactly like we expected. 
So why do we wait to take action until we know the perfect plan? Because the perfect plan isn't going to stay the perfect plan anyways. We all know this, like from experience in life, you never make a plan and have it execute exactly like you expected. Mm -hmm. Something else always happens, but we let it hold us back. Here's the tricky part about those thoughts though. So we can know in our, in our conscious logical mind that we shouldn't think that way, but there's some safety in continuing to think that way. So what I ask people a lot, I'll say, before I ask the question, I'll say, you're going to want to say it doesn't, and that cannot be an answer to the following question. So here's the question. How does it serve you to continue thinking, I can't because I don't have the right qualifications, or I can't because I'm too old or too young? How does it serve you to keep thinking that way? People want to say, well, it doesn't, but it does somehow. And so that's why they keep holding on to it. Yeah, that's good. I like that. And I think that you can fill on the blank with a lot of things. And I think that like with me personally, even though I am a jumper, you know, we all have those little voices in our heads. And it's funny that the things that I find jumping on are the ones that there's no risk, really. It's just like, I think I told you um, when we were talking before that I was sitting on a plane, obviously before all this, when we were allowed to go places, <laughs> sitting, on <a> plane, <laughs> sitting on a plane and I'm watching a flight attendant. I'm like, oh, that looks like fun. She gets to travel. That looks like so much fun. So then I start Googling my phone, how to become a flight attendant, which is so silly, really. And I like look down at the phone. I'm like, what am I doing? Because, and Years back, I probably would have tried to find some certification course and took it. I have an embarrassing number of certifications in <laughs> so many things that do not connect with each other because, and they're all because it's like, oh, that looks like, oh, I want to try that. And then, I mean, I do it, I try, and I'm like, eh, you know, it's just, it's, <laughs> but there's no risk involved in that. So the worst thing that happens is I waste some time and money, but me as a whole, I'm not really affected by that at all. Because nobody's asking me to do it. So if I fail, then I'm, you know, I'm not at fault on it. And if I do it and like it, fine. If I do and don't, oh, well, you know. And that, I think that's why I'm so easy to jump on some things. But then there's other things, like things related to my work, that it's taken me years to to come to the conclusion. I've got post-it notes all over my other office I do my marketing from that says done's more profitable than perfect. Because I will spend a ridiculous amount of time on these little tiny fine things that nobody is going to notice except me. And, you know, when you add up the hours, okay, well, I just like lost money on that because I wanted to fix the corner of this. Why? Nobody knows the corner of that. Nobody's going to notice if it was in a tiny different font. You know what I mean? And I spend a ridiculous amount of time on those things. And I'm not saying just slap something together and throw it out there. But again, there's a gray area and done is more profitable than perfect. You know, it is. And for the most part, I don't think, I don't think perfect is as marketable really. And if yeah. that's for me to say, coming from marketing well, where, you know, you hire the graphic designers and everything needs to look perfect. Yeah. But I don't think it is. But I think, I, I mean, I think there's a shift in that, which I'm so thankful for. Like people, like, even as I was putting this project together, cause you know, we are, again, our heart was, we want to get stuff out. Not every, everybody's an expert at what they're talking about, but not everybody is an expert at recording videos and, you know, recording courses. Like they're not an expert at that. And so as a team, I was like, listen, for me, what's important is that we get good content out. We want to make sure that people can hear it and see it. And it's not, you know, there's not lots of distraction, 
But I had to challenge myself to be like, we can't wait for everybody to perfect those skills because that's those skills are not what people are buying. People yeah. need to know this in other information and we already have that. So if we can get that in a package that's user-friendly, that's readily available, let's focus on that and not get sidetracked with like, everybody has the same introduction and everybody structures it exactly the same. Like that doesn't, that's not actually what people need. They need real help. So let's get to the real help. That's all we really need. The beauty of that is the imperfection too, because I know that obviously I'm right now I'm in my office because I had to come clean up, but I at home it's loud there. I have kids and half the time they're like, mom, I'm like, I'm on a call, you know, and, but a lot of people are in that same method right now we actually um it's we we're doing a wine wednesdays at 7 p.m eastern standard time you gotta join if you want to we're gonna join via zoom and i'll have our wine or beer or whatever we all drink yeah. and just i'm gonna sit there and just and it doesn't have to be perfect i told him i said be in your pjs have messy hair if you want to dress up just because you don't get to go anywhere and you this fancy fine i mean week to week i'll probably change my mind on what i do and um like we're just gonna sit and chat and hang out and talk about the fact that you know it there's great things coming from this, but it's still stressful. I want to pinch my kids' heads off. I mean, they're driving yes. me up the wall. And they yes. I don't understand how they survive school because they eat all day long. I, I posted <laughs> at like 8.28, I was making second breakfast. And then actually when I was leaving to come over here, my 19-year-old was making them something else to eat. They, 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 that's all they've done. They're eating every two hours again like infants. <laughs> I, I told them, I was like, if we really go through some type of famine in this country, y'all are goners. <laughs> goners because you can't even survive two hours. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm like, like were you getting secret together? meals at school or what? Like, I don't how- know. <laughs> I'm like, how did you survive at school? I'm like, why are you eating every two hours? I mean, it's just like ridiculous. Yeah. And, you know, I, I have to take, kind of take a deep breath and say, okay, you know, they're going through stuff too. But, you know, in a lot of ways, I, like I said, I kind of gave up on the homework thing. I'm like, I quit. And I talked to the principal. I'm like, listen, I don't know if I need to pull them out and just register them homeschool. Just so it's the two younger ones. Uh, so, you know, you don't get in trouble for whatever. I was like, but our internet has been spotty. I said, um, you know, Cade, which is the one that's autistic. I said, he can't do it. And his brother, brother mimics him. I said, it's a war. I was like that. I'm not going to win. I'll be honest. I'm not going to win it. I was like, I may be able to fight him enough where I get him to do one page out of 500. I was like, and is it worth our stress and effort? No. I mean, he's the top of his class anyway. I mean, he does. He learns so quickly. He could catch up in no time. And that's what I told him. I said, whatever I need to do, I'll do. I was like, this is not worth the stress on our family. It's just not. And I mean, I'm all for education. Don't get me wrong. I am. But I think, and, and I know a lot of the teachers are just trying to do what, what they're, you know, they think's best. But I think if we could just take a step back and just pause that too right now, because there's so many ways to learn that has nothing to do with a book. You know, it has nothing to do with, you know, learning something on the tablet or doing some type of curriculum. You know, um, he does learning things every day. He, he does love to read. He'll just sit and read, but it's not anything yeah. that's on his reading list. Yes. It's something he's chosen to read, yeah. you know, and he'll yeah. sit and he'll, he builds, builds these like elaborate things out of Legos and, you know, he'll go outside. He loves planting seeds and, you know, he loves just learning different things. And he was so fascinated with the full moon the last couple of nights because he loves the solar system and, yeah. you know, just stuff like that. And that's what I told his principal. I was like, you know, that's learning too. And he was like, oh, I agree with you. You know, I agree with you 100%. And I think, again, I think a lot of the schoolwork we do in this country, because I have friends in other countries, is busy work. And 
I think if we can just do the, the mandate is the mandatory stuff. And then the other stuff, why write the word five times if they already know how to spell yeah. the word? You know, if they don't know how to spell the word, okay, fine, whatever. Maybe you do that, you know, because repetition can help teach. Yeah. But if they can spell the word, just let them spell the word. <laughs> you know, yeah. a lot of this is just so busy work for no reason. And, yeah. you know, um, there's a book, I don't know if you've read it, called Becoming Unbusy. Mm-mm. It's a really good book. Um, I definitely recommend it. I, I read that um, back whenever life was starting to unravel. Somebody recommended it because I was like, yes, I want to become unbusy. But I didn't know how. I mean, it's funny. We get ourselves so busy that we don't even know how to get out of it. Yeah. You know, I'm like, how do you stop? I know um, you were talking about you You did stop. You just up and quit your job. Go ahead and tell a little more about, about that. Yeah. So this was now, um, I'll be approaching four years in June um, that I... I mean, I knew, I knew somewhere in my soul that I was not building the life I really wanted. I just, it's like you were saying, like, I know I want to feel differently. I just don't know what to do about that. And so I had done in previous years, things like got my master's degree and went for a promotion at work and things that I knew would challenge me, but they weren't the real things that I, if I was honest with my soul, they weren't the things I really wanted to do. They were the things that I thought either I should do or the things that were growth, but the easier path. So in my heart of hearts, I'd always wanted to be an entrepreneur to start my own business and to do things around coaching specifically. But I just, I just was never brave enough. And then um, I had been saving to buy a house in LA, which, you know, the market in LA is crazy. It's really, it's so expensive. So I was like saving money, saving money, saving money. I grew up in a really frugal family. So thankfully I knew how to save money really well. Um, But then one day I stopped to think like, okay, let me think beyond the goal, which was getting a house. Let me think beyond the goal. And what kind of life will I have after I reach the goal? And is that the life I really want? And when I looked at that, I was like, I don't actually want that because what that's going to mean in my life at that time probably would have meant all my extra money would have continued to go into the house. I would have had to edit my social calendar. I would have had to stop traveling as much as I was. I I would have had to make a lot of adjustments that would have meant my daily life would not have looked like I wanted. So then I'm like, well, why am I going for this goal when it's not actually going to get me where I really truly want? It's going to get me maybe where I quote unquote should go, but it's not what I want. So I was like, well, what do I want? And I had to start asking that question. And it took me a while, but I finally got to this place of, you know what I really want? I've wanted to do this since I, I took a, like an unstructured backpacking trip through Europe right after I graduated from college. It was like the best month of my life and so many cool experiences. I got to explore a lot. I, you know, I went to so many places I would never have thought I would go to because I just kind of left my itinerary open and would just go with the flow as I met people, as people recommended stuff. And when I looked back, I was like, that was really a highlight of my life. So I want to do something like that again. And so I had a, I had this choice to make, okay, am I going to do this or am I going to stay on the safe path? Am I going to do the, the thing that I, my, my soul wants, or am I going to do what I should do? And so that battle went on for a while. And then I finally asked myself this question, what will I regret more at the end of my life? Will I regret more staying on the safe path or would I regret um, taking this risk? And I was like, okay, that makes it really clear to me. I would regret staying on the safe path because if I try this thing and I end up falling flat, I will figure something else out. Like yeah. All my fears were like, well, what if I quit my job and travel and I, I can't find another job? 
What if something happens while I'm traveling? What if, what if, what if, what if? And I realized whatever those what ifs are, I could deal with them. I'm capable enough to figure them out if they were to happen. So I'm going to take the risk. So I left my job. Um, I, I talked to the, our executive director. And by this point, I was on like the senior leadership team and uh, things were going really well at the job. So she was like, wait, you're going to, what? Can you not quit? Can you just like take a sabbatical? And I was like, no, I think I actually just need to quit. <laughs> so I did that and I was going to travel for just for three months. And so I did that. And I had somebody like sublet my apartment and I got out on the road. After four months of traveling, I came back to LA and I was like, listen, I'm not done yet. I got to go back. So I got rid of my apartment, which was a rent controlled apartment in LA. So if you know anything about LA rental, like to have a rent controlled apartment in, in what had become like a really hip area, it wasn't when I moved in, but by that point it was. That was actually harder than leaving my job. <laughs> oh, I'd say because yeah, yeah, because I was like, I'm definitely not getting this back. Like, there's no question, I'm not getting this apartment yeah. in this location for this price. That's not going to happen. So I, I got rid of almost all of my possessions, which led me through a whole other piece of soul transformation because I was like borderline hoarder, and mm-hmm. I had to address that and like start letting stuff go. And then I lived what ended up being like another two and a half years traveling the world out of a backpack. So I went from being a you know borderline hoarder to living out of a backpack for two and a half years. So in that time, there were so many soul transformations and I got to have so many experiences that just, there's no way I could have planned for them, but I left a lot of open space and that brought in the things that I could have never written out. Like, this is exactly what I want to have happen because I probably would have sold myself short. Yeah. The things that actually happened were way cooler. So I, you know, I, I took that opportunity to say, I'm going to pause this life that I'm on the track of all the shoulds. I'm going to pause it. I'm going to get off. And then I'm just going to see what happens. And what happened when the traveling was done is I came back and I was like, I, not only can I not go back to the way I used to live, but I've got to have the courage to go into this world of entrepreneurship because it's been in my heart for so long and I've been too scared And what I've learned from this is I can't be scared anymore. I have to trust that things are going to work out. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It doesn't mean there aren't going to be days where I want to quit and give up. But I had that before too. There were plenty of days that I wanted to quit and give up. So that's not a new thing. But to trust in your own soul, in your own ability, that you're going to be able to get through whatever comes your way and go for it. We only get one life. Oh, exactly. And I think that's the biggest lesson we do. We only get one life. And how do you want to spend it? Because we chase so many things that at the end of the day mean nothing. I mean, I did, you know, I I mean, and I try to keep myself where I don't now and I'll find myself every once in a while being like chasing something. I'm like, wait a second, why am I chasing that? I don't want to do that. You know? And I think that's, some of us have that, that very nature to, to chase and to try and to do those things, but it's keeping it at bay to things that fit within our purpose that fit within our passions. And I think that's an art is to keep it kind of confined into that world. And once we find that, and I feel like I'm closer now than I honestly ever have been to it. Um, And I feel so much more free. Um, Like I've mentioned this on a couple of podcasts here recently, because it's so true is that I, I felt like I walked around a mask on for so many years that I was able to be me 
you know, when I was at home and it was, you know, safe to be me. But the rest of the time I had to be, you know, professional Maria, which professional Maria is very, very, very minute. Part. <laughs> be professional when I need to be. For the, for the most part, I'm not. You know, I'm not a super professional person. I'm very laid back. You know, I'm more of a, I don't really wear much makeup because I don't know how to do it. I brush my hair and sometimes straighten it if I feel fancy because I don't know how to do it. You know, I just, I was never that girl. Yeah. Um, I envied those girls, you know, but I never was that girl. And I tried to be that for, because in the business world, you know, you have to look the part. And it was a hot mess. I would go get my nails done and. I felt like I was like picking stuff up with my hands because that's not me. I like usually have no nails, you know, because yes. I do things, you know, I like to hike and kayak and dig and garden and nails get in the way of all that. Yeah. You know, so it's just funny that why did I feel the need to get nails that I hated? I, I don't know. Nobody actually said it to me. <laughs> Nobody yes. said, Maria, you have to go get nails to have this job, but I did it. And I don't know yeah. why, you know, because you were, I mean, but you look around and you're like, what are, this is because as human beings from the time that we're kids, we're looking around and being like, how are things operating and how do I fit? How do I fit into this? Even if you're not like a, I want to fit in kind of person, yeah. you're still trying to figure out like, what's my role here and how do I do it? And so if you look around the business world and that's what a majority of people look like, that's how a majority of people act or dress or sound like the natural instinct then is like, well, that's what I must do in order to. So it doesn't, you don't, nobody has to sit you down. Sometimes they will, but nobody has to sit you down and go, it's, you know, make sure your nails are done, your hair's done, your makeup's on, yeah. you look like this, you dress like this. Nobody has to say it because socially we're, we are conditioned to look around and then figure out, okay, I will do what's being done so that I fit. Yeah. And, and I think that that can be a disservice to ourselves. I mean, there's nothing wrong with knowing how to do hair and knowing how to do makeup. But a lot of my good friends do. There's nothing wrong with liking a good manicure and pedicure. That's fine if you like them. But see, I didn't. But I did them because I thought I had to, you know, because I wanted to. And I think that's a big lesson is we don't need to do things just because it's something that we have to do all the time. Yes, we have to have to pay our taxes and we have to do legally bound things. But when we're making life choices, you know, I don't have to get my nails done. So I don't, you know what I mean? It's those things that we're holding ourselves to these unrealistic decisions that don't even align with our life or even what we want our life to be. And we just need to stop it. (laughs) Well, I think that, I think one of the big things is that most people like you're an exception, but probably a lot of the people listening, they've never either never known how to, or never taken the time and space to stop and go, what do I really like how my life looks now? Where, where am I satisfied? Where am I unsatisfied? What's missing and what do I really want? And then what do I have to shift to get there? Like we don't, we don't even take the time to do that. And like, I'll find, I, I, I led this workshop until we couldn't have in-person things anymore, but I just led one at the mall of America in Minnesota um, around like designing the life that you really want. And when I lead this workshop, one of the very first things I talk about is, you know, what are things that you want to shift in the next 12 months? And a lot of people can write that, but I ask the next question of, well, why do you want that shift? What is that going to bring for you? A lot of people get stuck. They're, you know, they're not even sure how to answer that question. And it's not because there's something wrong with them at all. It's just that we've never given ourselves the opportunity to ask those kinds of questions. But if we're going to create, if we are going to take intentional action, because this is the thing, 
people might look at you and go, well, she can do it because, and then name off all the things that they think you have that they don't have. She can do it, but I can't. That's such a lie. Like all of us have the, we are the only ones who can shift our life. Nobody else is going to do it for us. Certainly your boss at work is not going to do it for you. Your spouse isn't going to do it for you. Your kids aren't going to do it for you. Your friends aren't, you have to do it. Like you have to acknowledge that you have the power and the opportunity to make shifts where you need them. So we've got to start there and then asking these honest questions and saying, okay, what do I really want it to look like? And what do I have to do to get there? And if you don't know, then get help. There's all kinds of coaches who can help you through this that will help you see resources. Talk to your friends, talk to your family, talk to trusted people. Because if you just get stuck in like, I know I want to change. Like I'll talk to a lot of people who are like, I know I'm unhappy at my job. I just don't, I just feel like it's my only option. Yeah, I well, it stuck. isn't. Yes, I'm so stuck. It isn't your only option. And if you can't find, if you really cannot think of another option, then talk to other people. Talk to people about what your strengths are, and then think brainstorm how you might start a side hustle with those things. Because, like, I've talked to people who are artists, and they're like, "Well, I can't, I can't call myself an artist because I'm not like getting paid money for my art yet, or I'm not as." as at a level as like what I look at as a professional artist. And I'm like, but you're still an artist. You're producing art. You're more of an artist that way than people who don't do art. So let's just start there. Let's just start there. And if you're not trying to be perfect, you're not trying to be the best. What could you do? What do you know that some other people don't know? And then how can you package that and sell it? Well, I think the biggest piece to take away is I think a lot of people sell themselves short because you know, this person does this better, that person does this better. But like I tell people all the time, there's one thing that nobody else has that you do, and that's you. So your stuff is going to be different automatically because you're doing it and nobody else is you. So start at that very foundational level and figure it out. Because even though you may think yours is not as good as this person's or as good as that person, there may be other people think yours is so much better. So, I mean, I think people sell themselves short so often because of yeah. that so i think that's so true if if somebody wanted to um, find out more information to be able to work with you on a coaching level yeah. um, to maybe kind of dig through the changes going on right now yeah. and how to navigate these waters how do they reach you yeah so i would say the the i would refer people first to go to that to the work from home group so we have a work from home facebook group so it's work from home survive and thrive tribe So you can just go there and you just request to join. You answer a couple of easy questions. Just basically it's like a filter to make sure it's not spam Um, and people are there for the right reason. And then that's a really big community where there's a lot of support. So I'm going to be having starting, um, starting this week, I'm going to actually be interviewing a lot of the people who are doing courses. So we'll do like, we'll have some of that information being shared there and then to work with me personally. um, So I have a website, it's called design your detour designyourdetour.com. Um, you can reach me through that or email me at hello at designyourdetour.com. And then the, the, what I'll probably do is set up like a call with you, like a 15 minute call just to kind of find out what it is, where you are and where you want to go. And then if I'm not the one who can help you, I definitely have a lot of connections that I could try yeah. to direct people. To the yeah. Point. And I think, I think that's a good point to make is that, um, most coaches know that you're not always going to mesh well with somebody, yeah. you know, that, and it's not that there's something wrong with you or, or with them. It's just, yeah. sometimes you can tell that they need 
somebody else that's really going to be able to touch them and be able to make that change in their life. And I think that's why most coaches do have different people. They'll say, you know what? I think you will work really well with so-and-so because dot, 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 you know, because it's very hard to help somebody in something that you haven't experienced. Yeah. You know, I can tell you what I think it would be like, (laughs) you know what I mean? But I don't know if I haven't been there. Um, So I think that's why it's, it's so important to have a big, pool of coaches to pull from to be able to make that relationship mesh between you know a client and a coach actually work well so I think that's great I'll make sure when this airs I'll make sure and have the links to those um, put on the episode great so I think that'd be great and um, Um, and then I would also I will give you the link as well so that $99 price for the package is like it's actually a $4.99 retail value and so it's like a special promotion so if somebody just goes to that like to the regular site, they'd yep. see four ninety nine, but okay. I'll give you so that any of the listeners could get the the link to that ninety nine dollar price, um, which will be. I mean, it, it's probably not going to be there forever, but you know, it, it will be yeah. there for a little while. Yeah. Okay, sounds good. I will get that for me, and I'll get that posted. Yeah. So, well, I've enjoyed talking to you. Is there anything else that you want to say to our listeners before we get off? Or? No, I mean, I think I I really enjoy this conversation too. I think the biggest thing that I would want people to take away is like remember that you have the power to make shifts in your life. And it's okay if you don't yet know how, but have the courage to figure out how to get the help to make the shifts because you only get one life. And, you know, one thing I'll say to challenge people that are like, well, I'm going to figure it out on my own. My challenge is like, how has that worked so far? Because if you're not feeling satisfied yet, probably you can't do it on your own. And a lot of that is like, we're not meant in this life to do things on our own but you have way more power and way more ability than you're giving yourself credit for if you're feeling stuck right now. So don't stay that way. It's it, listen, you can do this. Like if the two of us can do this, you can do it. We do. We, I don't have a secret Cape. I'm pretty sure you don't have a secret Cape, right? Like there's not a Cape yeah. that you can put on that just is like, Oh uh, man, everything's going to work okay. out. Great. Perfect. Ta-da! <laughs> no, like we just keep taking steps. And so you can do this too. And we both are people who would say, like, it's worth it. The other side is worth it. The journey might be hard, but it's worth it. So do it, do it, do it, do it. Love it. They exclamated. LA Times, I stay on page six. I'm even your favorite's favorite. <laughs>